Um, we're doing some ministry in the East End. Uh, you know, on Tuesday nights, um, we have at the Rev House, if you guys don't know where that's at, it's on the corner of 7th and Campbell um, in the East End. Tuesday nights, we like to pick up some trash uh, to help um, get to know the people in the community and just let them know that we care for them and uh, hopefully to shed the light of Christ on them. As well, we're doing the same uh, same stuff on Friday, except in form of a cookout. So hopefully we can build some relationships and get to know the people there in the East End and just let them know that we're there for them and um, if we can help them out in any way possible, we'd love to do so. And if you guys are new, um, we want to encourage you to fill out some contact forms so we can get you plugged in, so we can get you feeling like you're a part of Revolution if this is where you want to um, start coming. So fill out some contact forms if you have not already so we can get a hold of you if we need to. Also, um, this is a flyer, um, Understanding the Addiction Group. Uh, the, it's mostly for family members of uh, people that are going through addictions. So if you have someone or know someone that's really close to you and you want to understand what they're going through, um, you can pick up a flyer. It's held uh, each Monday on 1603 11th Street in Portsmouth, Ohio. So go check that out if you want to know more about that. And, you know, you can invite um, anyone that's having problems with addiction. We can get them plugged into where they need to be as well. Uh, one more thing. Um, celebrate recovery. If you guys don't know what, that, what that's about, it's about, um, you know, alcohol addiction and stuff. Uh, people can come there and, um, you know, help get over that. And so Revolution, the band here, is going to be playing at that on Cornerstone um, on Offner. It's... Uh, not sure what it's a 6:30 I think so you guys are more than welcome to join that as well and one last thing I lied um, we have Bible study on campus if you guys uh, if you go to Shawnee want to get plugged in um, to Bible study Monday nights Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights at eight o'clock in Massey to 11 we meet there every night you know Monday Tuesday and Wednesday anyway we're going through the book of Galatians so if you guys want to be added to the page, me and some other people can add you. Um, so hopefully we can see you there too. But thank you all for coming. If you guys want to, you know, okay, okay. Everybody look to your left. Okay, everybody look to your right. Okay. <laughs> Sorry for the people that are on the end. Um, but I want you to go, you know, give someone a nice handshake that's not right next to you. Um, talk to someone you don't know. Greet each other. Bye. This is madness. There are so many people here. This is incredible. I don't know why you all came. So I have fully embraced the fact that fall is here. Did anyone know that your pastor is also a part-time lumberjack on Sundays? I got an axe and I chopped some wood. I didn't do that. I'm not an outdoorsman. Uh, I should have been a woman. Um, Not saying that God was wrong in making me a man, but not very masculine. Uh, Don't let the beard fool you. (laughs) So, um, tonight... We are going to be in James chapter 5, verses 13 through 18. Uh, If you want to flip there in your blue Bibles, you can. Uh, You don't have to, though, because if you're lazy like me, it's going to be up on the projector here in a little while. Um, But if you don't have a Bible or the Bible that you do have is hard for you to understand, um, take those blue Bibles home with you. That's our gift to you. No one's going to stop you, call you a thief. That's our gift to you. That's what we want you to take. So tonight we are covering a pretty rough topic, uh, in my opinion. We're talking about prayer and healing. This is, 
I'm not the most charismatic man in the world, so this is going to be really interesting for me. I've actually been apprehensive about preaching this since me and Ryan lined out this sermon series back in May. I remember looking at this going, man, I, I actually said to Ryan, I said, I feel really bad for whoever has to preach on prayer and healing. And Ryan starts cackling like a little schoolgirl and says, it's you, brother, so this is, strap in, this is going to be fun. Um, you know, because this is a rough topic... Um, I hope that I'm wrong, but uh, some of you might not like what I have to say on prayer and healing. I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that you guys can understand where I'm coming from. Um, You know, I personally have struggled with this concept. Um, I've struggled with the concept of prayer and healing. Like, how does it work? Um, How should I pray? What should I be thinking uh, whenever I pray? How does God heal? Why doesn't he heal everyone that I pray for? You know, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one that feels this way. You know, I'm, I'm kind of weird, but I'm a pretty run-of-the-mill guy, right? Like, I struggle with some things maybe you guys don't struggle with. I like some things maybe you don't like. But overall, we all generally have the same questions most of the time. So I know that I'm not alone in this. You know, and I'll come clean. I'm, I'm pretty jaded. Um, shocker, right? I'm 22, and I have a beard. I'm angry. Yeah, he just thunk it. Um, yeah, I'm kind of jaded, right? I'm jaded whenever it comes to, to healing. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with, um, you ever seen like the alleged faith healers on television? It, right, show of hands, come on. Who's seen these guys? Right, like, pop, smack you right on the forehead, someone's rolling around on the ground. He's got the spirit, he's being healed. No, he didn't, you just gave him a concussion. You should probably, have, I guarantee you they have to sign waivers before they hit that stage. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, just see someone just getting knocked cold. You know, and it's because of these kind of faith healers that I, I've become jaded, right? I, I let that kind of stuff influence how I feel about healing in general. So I'm really glad that I, get the opp- I had the opportunity to study this and the opportunity to line all this out and teach you guys what healing looks like and what it doesn't look like. But just for the record, um, because I really enjoy making fun of people, um, maybe sinfully, whatever. Does um, anyone in here, have you heard of Daystar TV? The Christian channel? It's like Channel 2, anyone? No? It's for the best that you haven't. Um, like the Christian channel. Uh, has anyone heard of Benny Hinn? The faith? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about, right? Now, who in here likes Star Wars? All right, then this video is for you, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe you don't think that's as funny as I do. That may have just been for me. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love making fun of that kind of stuff. You know, that, that kind of stuff, like, that's unbiblical and foolish. That's not how healing works. You know, people like him will get up on stage and they'll say, you know, if you have enough faith and you pray that God heals you or heals someone you love, then God must heal you if you have enough faith. Or, you know, if you name and claim your blessing or name and claim your healing, brother, God will give it to you. That's just how he works. He must do these things. And I'm here to tell you right now, God doesn't have to do anything that we ask him to, ever. God is completely sovereign. He does as he sees fit in all aspects of our lives. We cannot command him to do anything. It doesn't work that way. We can't manipulate him into doing our will. He does his will. But here's the thing. His will is good. That's, that's the comforting thing in this. His will always is for our benefit, even when we can't see it. And you guys are going to see by the end of the service why that's true. All right, so... So we're going to be talking about prayer and healing and that we have to trust Jesus' will in all things. All right, James knew that. James knew that Jesus' will supersedes our desires and that Jesus' will is better than ours. So James talks a lot about prayer and about asking God for healing and about asking God uh, for anything, going to him like a child would go to their father. All right, so let's check out what James has to say 
And let's see, uh, let's see if we can let Scripture change our thinking on prayer and how God heals. James 5, 13 through 18. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may, that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain, and the earth began to yield its crops. Now, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but James uses the word pray or prayer in every single verse that we just looked at. Prayer was very important to James. There was actually a, uh, an ancient historian that, that talked about James, and he said that James's knees were like a camel, camels because he spent so much time on his knees praying for God's will, praying for God's people, praying for God's church. James took prayer incredibly seriously. He, pray, he says pray about everything. The first thing James asks us is, are any of you suffering? You should pray. Likewise, are any of you happy? You should sing praises, which whether you're praying praises or singing praises, it's all the same. You're still giving God glory. So he's telling us to always be in prayer no matter what. Now, whenever we suffer, it's getting way too hot up here for that. Um, whenever we suffer, we're really good at praying most of the time, right? We become keenly aware that we can't do anything on our own. That we're children and we need to go to our Father and ask Him to intervene because we are weak and powerless over the vast majority of the events that happen in our lives. Right? Like, I, I, whenever we suffer, we tend to do what I call bleeding everything out to God. Right? Like, you'd see it in the Psalms. Like, David goes, God, everyone's forsaken me. I'm alone here in this cave. Everyone hates me. I need you. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know how to fix this. Right? We see things like that in Psalms. And that's what we tend to be really good at when we suffer. But here's my question. How's your prayer life whenever everything is awesome? And I don't need to hear you guys answer that because I know, right? Because I'm a human being. Here's what happens. Whenever things are going well for us and we're not suffering but we're happy, what we tend to do is we tend to take credit for our situations that belongs to God alone. Right? Like whenever everything is going well, like I just got the raise, I just got the internship, um, I just got engaged, um, I, I just got the house that I was looking for, and it's within my price range, right? Someone comes to you and says, oh, you got a raise. How did that work? You know, I worked really hard. Or like, oh, you got, how'd the proposal go? Oh, she said yes. I treat her very well, and I, I do, for the record. Um, uh, you know, how did you get the house? Well, you see, we were very patient. We were very smart about where we were going to pick it. And, you know, we played a little bit of hardball, and they came down on the house 15 grand and got within our price range. We begin to take credit for things that James says every good and perfect gift comes from God. It's a lot harder, or we at least don't think about praying whenever things are going well for us. And James is telling us, pray over everything. Thank God for the things that he's given you. In addition just to when you're suffering, God wants to hear from you. And just furthermore, just throwing this out there, you don't do any, you don't get anything on your own, right? Like, you got that raise because, sure, you may have worked hard, and that's phenomenal, but God gave your boss the financial means to be able to give you the raise, put it in his heart to give you the raise. You got the house because God set it up to where these people were ready to move out, and you got it for that price because God put them in a position to come off the price. Everything goes back to God gave it to you, everything you have. 
Praise him for it. All glory belongs to God alone. Praise him for it. That's what James is saying here. Pray about everything because God is a good father and he wants to hear from us in all situations. Not just whenever we need something, but he wants to hear from us at all times. You know, I'm not a father, but I know that my dad, Mark, would he wants to hear from me all the time. He doesn't just, just want me to, although I do tell him I need stuff all the time. Um, but he wants to hear from me all the time. Be quiet, Mark. Um, <laughs> You know, so our Father God wants to hear from us. Which goes into what James says next. Our Father wants to hear from us when we're sick. All right, here's the part that we got to do some explanations, right? We got to do some explaining some stuff. James says that when you're sick, that you should call for the elders of your church and they will come and they'll anoint you in the name of the Lord. All right, so, so what does all this mean? So if we're sick, all right, we've been told to pray about everything. And then James gives us a specific command. If you're sick... It's your responsibility to come to the elders so that we can pray for you. So who are your elders here at Rev? Well, your elders here at Rev would be your pastors, me, Ryan, Jeremy, and Corey. Right? We are the elders of, of this church. God has entrusted us with the privilege and, and the, the responsibility to lead and love you guys. And we do. I really mean that. Like, you don't know all the conversations that go on behind the scenes where it's, you know, how can we get people uh, to connect? How can we turn this church into a family and not just a meeting, something that we do on Sundays? We love you guys. We want to see you guys grow in the Lord. And, at the sa- and with that same thing in mind, we, we want to know when you need help. We want to know when you're sick. We want to take your case to God because we love you. All right, so those are your elders, right? The four of us, those are your elders. So please, if you're ever sick, right, and, and whenever James says sick, He's not talking about the snivels, right? Like, it's, it's this concept that, like, uh, you're probably bedridden. Uh, something really, really, really bad um, is going down. So he says, call your elders, and they're going to anoint you with oil. Now, oil is completely symbolic here, right? There's a, there's a million different views from a million different people on what oil, what the purpose of anointing people with oil. I think the best one is that oil represents the Holy Spirit throughout the Bible, right? The, being anointed with the Holy Spirit, we anoint people with oil. And the whole reason why we do that for the sick is, to, is it's a reminder that the Holy Spirit is in you and is working on you and is working through you to give you strength to bear up under this time that you're going through. That the Holy Spirit's going to help you with this burden. That the Holy Spirit's not going to leave you by yourself. He's the comforter. He's going to be here to help you through this. And that's the whole reason that we anoint, is just to physically remind people of that. You know, but, but, but whatever the reason for the oil is, here's where I want to land. The prayer is the most important thing. I think we could all see that. The prayer is the most important thing. Now, how does James tell us to pray? James tells us to pray in the name of the Lord. Right, Jesus, to pray in Jesus' name. So what does that mean? It, it's a lot more than just ending your prayer with in Jesus' name, right? Usually we try to simplify what the Bible means, and it doesn't work that way. Right? It's a lot deeper than that. Whenever we pray in Jesus' name, it's not just ending your prayer with in, in Jesus' name, amen. It's praying with Jesus' will in mind. Knowing that Jesus' will is greater than our desire in the situation. So James is saying we, we anoint people to let them know the Holy Spirit is not going to leave them hanging by themselves. And then we pray that God heal this person knowing that his will is greater than ours if his will ends up being that he doesn't want to heal. Right now, a lot of people would probably say, but it, but it says that a, a prayer in faith will heal the sick. A prayer in Jesus' name, if it lines up with his will, will heal the sick. 
James isn't contradicting himself. It's just you've got to pay attention to the verse before it. It's all about Jesus' will. And I'll throw this out to you. If you think that I'm kind of full of it, because I understand that, I get it. Um, you can look back to the Gospels, and you can see multiple times where Jesus doesn't heal everybody. Sometimes Jesus will roll into a town and heal one or two people. Other times he'll roll in, heal no one. Sometimes he'll go in, he'll heal everybody. It's up to his will. It's up to what he wants to do. You know, Jesus could have clapped his hands together and healed every sick person in Israel, but he never did that. It was not his will. So all healing, all answered prayer, all prayers answered with yes, rather, are all part of whether or not Jesus wills it to be done. So some of you might think, you know, well, pray, and I, I used to fall into this, and if we have any Calvinists out there, you probably fall into this too, and you need to repent. Um, but prayer is futile. If Jesus just does his will anyway, then why pray at all? I'll tell you why. It's because God has ordained prayer to be the vehicle through which he heals when he wills to do it. That's just how it is. Just like the, God could bring someone to salvation without us preaching the gospel, but God has said it's through your preaching the gospel that people will come to know Jesus. It's the same concept. So we pray, and when God wills it, it's, that's the vehicle through which God decides to heal. But the point of this whole thing is that God desires us to tell him what we want, but to trust him to do what's best. Right from Genesis to Revelation, um, we, we, have, we have God creates everything, and we mess it up. And then Revelation, God fixes everything, and in between, God says, do you trust me? My will is good. Do you trust me to be God and do what is right? So that's the whole thing James is driving at here. Trust God when you pray. And so why? Why does God want us to pray for people? If he can accomplish his will, why does God want us to pray for people? I'll tell you this, it's pretty, pretty easy, I think. God wants us to think outside of ourselves. He wants us to think outside of ourselves. He wants us to be like Jesus and think of other people. Like, I, I have a nephew. Um, he's a sinner. Um, he's four. Um, yeah, like little kids, they're just buckets of disease that sin all the time. That's all that little kids really are. I love them. He's adorable. Um, but that, that's funny. I'm sorry if any of you have kids and I just called your child a bucket of disease. Um, whatever. You can lynch me after service. Um, but Easton, all right, my nephew, He's very self-centered, right? Little kids are super self-centered. Like, I'll be talking to his mom about something, and he'll just run up on me and be like, I want, like, Santa Claus pancakes. And you're like, that, what, what are you talking about, man? Like, he does that kind of stuff all the time. He's super self-centered, right? Never once in him, in his existence thus far in four years, has he ever ran up to me talking to someone and said, hey, Dave, I'm very sorry. You go ahead and finish your thought. I'll be over here in the corner. You, you do whatever you got to do. I'll, I'll wait. Right? He's never done that. Right? He's super, super immature. He's a kid. Right? But you know, hopefully someday he'll grow up out of that and become mature. Right? And learn to think of other people. And if he doesn't, I'll beat him. <laughs> I don't advocate child abuse. <laughs> I need to stop saying stupid stuff up here. Um, <laughs> so in the same way that that I would desire Easton to be mature and to think of other people, God desires us to become more spiritually mature and begin to think of other people. It's phenomenal to pray for yourself, right? James says, if you're suffering, pray. If you're happy, pray. But God wants you to grow and become more spiritually mature. He wants you to begin to think of other people. 
And that's why James gives us the command as a whole church to confess your sin to one another and to pray for each other so that you might be healed. Right? Because whenever we confess our sins to one another, then that means I confess and I listen. I'm being prayed for and I'm praying for other people. Christianity is not a me-focused religion. It's all outward-focused always on other people. It's not about you. First off, it's all about Jesus and what he's done for you. And then as a result about the, of that, our lives become all about other people. Love God, love your neighbor. Everything's summed up with that. So God wants us to intercede for others. He wants us to hit our knees and pray for other people and what they're going through. He wants us to hold each other accountable. He wants us to pray for one another, just like Jesus prayed for us and just like Jesus interceded for us. So if that's what God desires, then why don't we pray? Right? Like, why don't we pray? If it's, gonna, it's for our benefit, we're going to become spiritually mature. Why don't we pray? Better question. Who in here thinks they're righteous? Like, not like Rick Clark, righteous surfer guy. I don't mean like that. Um, but like, who in genuinely, show of hands, who thinks they're a righteous person? thought so. Me either most of the time. Right, like here at Rev, we're, we're pretty good at knowing, you know, you're a total sinner. I'm a total sinner. We all make mistakes. We are not righteous on our own. We have nailed that down. We got that one beat into our brains. We know that. But it's good to remember that to keep you humble so you never think you're better than anyone else. But we do a really poor job of remembering that that's not how God sees us anymore. God sees us as righteous because we've placed our faith in Jesus. That because of our faith in Jesus, we are judged by Jesus' life. So whenever God looks at me and hears me pray, he sees Jesus. And Jesus was righteous if there ever was a righteous man. That was Jesus. So God hears you when you pray. And what does James say? He says, the prayer of a righteous man or woman produces wonderful results. You are righteous. God hears you. You know, and I know often we think, you know, why would God listen to me? I, I suck. You know, I just lusted after that chick that walked down the street. I just, uh, just yelled at my fiance. I just bit the head off of my spouse. And for the record, if you have a fiance and a spouse, you're messing up. Um, oh, it's wording choices always, I mess up. Um, but we think, you know, why would God listen to me? I, I make so many mistakes. I am a sinner. Remember that you're a sinner, but not at the expense of remembering that God counts you as righteous because of Jesus. He hears you. And whenever we pray, I, I think another reason that we, that we don't pray, in addition to us thinking that we're not good enough to approach God, and you're not, but through Jesus you are, is that we don't really consider what we're doing when we pray. We're calling upon the God of the universe who spoke everything you see and everything you can't see into existence. All concepts come from God. This stage is held together because God wants the physics of like how wood stays together to stay that way. He wants all the atoms to stay there. If he ceases to will it, I fall on the floor. I continue breathing right now, and so do all of you, because it brings God pleasure that you're still here. That kind of powerful God is the God that we approach when we pray. We don't think about that. If we thought about that, prayer would not be our last resort of resignation 
that says, well, I've tried everything else I can. May as well consult the guy who created the universe and speaks things into existence. Like, that literally makes no sense, but that's what we do. We don't really consider what we're doing when we pray. You know, so there is, there is power when we go to God in prayer. There's power there. God can do anything that we ask him to do. Right? Literally, like the craziest thing we could ask him for. He can completely do it because he is all-powerful, and he can and will do it if it is in his will. Everything goes back to God's will when we pray. Every single thing. We have to trust that God's will is best. We have to trust that God is good and God knows what he's doing. For the record, it doesn't have anything to do with how much faith you have or don't have. Sometimes Jesus would heal people in the Gospels in spite of the fact that they had no faith. It's not about your faith, although you should pray in faith. It's not about how great your faith is or how small your faith is. It's does what you're praying line up with what God wills to do? Don't believe the lie that if you just had enough faith that the person you love that died of of cancer would have lived. That's not true. It's not how it works. But God's will is good. So the question then becomes, do we trust his will or not? Do we trust the God of the universe to do what is best, even when we can't see it, even when he answers our prayers with no, do we trust him? You know, and truth be told, a lot of the times our prayer and our desires don't line up with God's will. It just straight up doesn't. It's very rare that it actually does. You know, God God may want us to may want to say no and, and, and allow us to suffer and make us grow. You know, you can go to 2 Corinthians. You see Paul talking about this thorn in his flesh, which could have been a physical illness. It could have been something else. But he has this thorn in his, this thorn in his side that he says, he asked God three times, please take this from me. Paul had all the faith in the world. I'd say Paul had more faith than anyone in this room. Right? He saw the resurrected Christ. And God tells him, no. My grace is sufficient for you, and I am shown to be strong in your weakness. God's answer to our prayer to heal us or someone else or to, to intervene in some way, maybe no. You're going to suffer through this, and you're going to come to a greater understanding that my grace is sufficient for you. You're going to come to a better understanding of who God is, and you're going to be more faithful to God, and you're going to become more like Jesus. But there's a, an instance of God saying no and still being good and his will still being trustworthy that is even more powerful than Paul. And that's Jesus Christ in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is praying. He knows that he is about to die. He knows that he is about to be brutally tortured and murdered. And and up up on top of that way, way more, he's going to have to suffer the wrath of God. He's going to have to suffer hell, and he knows that. And he prays, if there's any way that I don't have to do this, please don't make me do this. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to be cut off from the Trinity. I don't want to feel your wrath. And God tells him no. You have to suffer and you must die. That was God's answer to Jesus. But God's will is still good. And here's why. In God's no to Jesus, Jesus carries out the will of God and accomplishes our salvation. And here's what I mean. We have sinned and our sin separates us from God. We deserve hell 
because of our sin against God, because that is justice. We've sinned against the most pure being in the universe, and now we deserve the most awful punishment imaginable. That's justice. But because Jesus was doing God's will, Jesus comes to earth because God's will is good. And Jesus lives a sinless life, never rebels against God, ever. And then after living a sinless life, God tells him, no, I'm not going to answer your prayer. You must suffer and die for my will to be accomplished. And then Jesus goes to the cross, and on the cross he takes my sin and your sin and anyone who would ever place their faith in Jesus' sin on himself, and he goes to the cross and as a substitute in our place suffers the wrath of God that we deserve. And God's will is good. Because the story doesn't end there. Three days later, God raises Jesus from the dead, proving that Jesus was innocent, that he will suffer no more, restores him to glory. And now if we place our faith in Jesus, we will never have to suffer God's wrath. God's will is good. It's the same will that might tell us no whenever someone we love is sick and dying, that he's not going to heal them. It may be this, it's the same will that tells us, you know, you're just not going to have a job for a while and you're going to have to struggle. It's the same will that says, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. It's that same will that sent Jesus to the cross to save you. Even in his no, God's will is still for your best interest even when suffering is involved. You know, so, if any of you want to know more about what it means that Jesus died as a substitute in your place, or you want to know what it means to be a Christian, or how God's will works, and how he can work things out for our benefit and his glory, time after time, please come talk to me after the service. After we're done playing music, I'll be here on the edge of the stage. While we're playing music, we'll have Allie and AJ and Brady over here by the couches. We want to pray with you. We want to tell you more. We want to teach you about who Jesus is and how much he loves you. And if you, if you want to know what's God's will for your life, I'll tell you this. God's will is that you come to repentance. God's will is that you will place your faith in Jesus and not have to suffer his wrath. That's what God's will is for you. So place your faith in Jesus. There's no hope outside of it. Someone will pay for what you've done. Either you will or Jesus does. But I hope that you guys can see that God's will is good no matter what his answer to our prayer is. His will is always good, even if his answer is death. Even if his answer is you will suffer and you will die, and that's my will for you. It's still good because just like Jesus was raised from the dead, you will be too if you have faith in Jesus. God's will is always good. We will always benefit no matter what. So whether he heals now or he heals in eternity, God's will is good for us. So the question is, are you going to trust Jesus or not? You can get mad at God for saying no, sure, because you're short-sighted and I'm short-sighted, and we don't see that God's working something greater that we can't see. You can be mad, or you can trust Jesus. You know, you can think that prayer is futile and that God doesn't listen, or you can believe that through Jesus you've been made righteous, and you can intercede for other people and confess your sins to one another and love each other the way that Jesus loves us and grow spiritually to be more mature, to be more like the king that died for you. The question is, will you or won't you? Do you trust Jesus or not? And I'll leave you guys with this. We trust God's will for our salvation. 
Why not trust him with everything else too? His will is good. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Your, your will is good. I've said it a million times because it's true. Even when we can't see it, you are good. Even when it hurts, you are good and you work everything out to your glory and our benefit. God, help us to always pray in Jesus' name, with Jesus' will in mind, knowing that he is the king, that his will is great, that you love us, and you never make us go through anything for no reason. God, I pray that the people here at Revolution would pray more, would confess their sins to each other more, would would intercede for one another, to approach the throne of God boldly for one another because you have deemed us righteous because of our faith in Jesus. Help us to understand that. Help us to pray about everything. Help us to remember to thank you for the things that you've done for us and and to bleed out our suffering to you. You're a God that loves us. You're a good father that wants to hear from his children. Help us to take that to heart and truly know it. But above everything, thank you for your will that sent Jesus to the cross to die as a substitute for us so that we don't have to suffer your wrath. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.